Hey, this is Mike Bob, and I'm a guy who used to make things, and sometimes I still do. These days, I prefer making podcasts, and I have a new one called Soundtrack to My Life. On this podcast, I talk to different creative people about the music that shaped them. Sometimes the conversations are funny, and sometimes they're just kind of sweet. I love that Pina Colada song. Yeah, I do. Rihanna has had a huge impact on my songwriting. I'm diving into the ocean, finding that one fish that has the toxins, and I'm just drinking those toxins all day. Maybe they're saying, like, you should now go forth and rock. It's like a peace be with you situation. I also have a playlist called F Jams. One and two. <laughs> Just in case. We dance to a jazz version of my favorite things. Soundtrack to my life. It's available exclusive on Spotify. It's a exclusive. I'm going to try to make that word take off. It's a music plus talk show, meaning I can play songs in their entirety. So think of this as an interactive playlist with some of the coolest creative people I know. And you should know, too. Soundtrack to my life. A Spotify exclusive. Again, back to Bat's Breath. I am Mike Bobbitt with me as always. Bob Wick. <laughs> hey, Bob. And this week, I'm super happy about this. We record these very far in advance because Bob is moving and I have a baby. We, in real life, have just put up episode one and... I was looking around like, hey, I wonder if there's a Voyagers group on Facebook or anything. And I joined and the person who created the group and also <laughs> created VoyagersGuide.net, Ginger De Los Rios, uh, <laughs> reached out to me and has been super cool. And I feel like Very over the cool. course of the last oh, three days, you. we've become fast friends. And Ginger, you are joining us on the podcast. So thank oh, you so much. For yeah, being welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you it's for so having me. Yeah. Yeah. Voyagers fans are pretty cool. They were very cool. I absolutely have to agree that in the last couple of days, since I joined the um, the, the the Voyagers group, everybody's been so nice. It, it's they like are, I just made five hundred friends this weekend, <laughs> and I'm loving them. Like I'm almost at five hundred. I'm at four ninety three. Yeah. So I said, "What do I do for the five hundredth member?" I don't know. <laughs> I, I think this episode's going to put you over the top. This is <laughs> I our hope goal. So. Uh, and, and a lot of like accomplished sci-fi writers and yeah, yeah. Uh, wow i mean this is a show that i think the fact that so many creative people are still fans of it 
almost 40 years later, I think really goes to show how stellar of a show this was. Yeah. Way back in the Mm -hmm. 80s when, you know, Bob and I have found a lot of 80s stuff is not holding up that well, but not. Uh, I I love 80s. I was born in in 80s, so I'm 40 years old. Okay, I'm not afraid to say it. So I saw it on the second run through okay on the sci-fi channel so when i was 13 so this is like 90 when 93 when the sci-fi channel um, first aired on cable vision that's when i caught it that's the perfect age too because you were like right around jeffrey's age yeah yeah, wow that's really cool and it's cool because nbc i didn't know at the time but nbc owned sci-fi channel they started it okay voyages was actually the first one of the first shows they ever aired mm-hmm. in their lineup. There's a commercial on the group. I'll I'll repost it somewhere when you see Voyages in the mix and you know in their advertising. Oh wow. So, this is pretty cool. So that's where I saw it for the first time. That's where I learned who John Eric was, who Nina was. And, and you have corrected us. We cannot claim him as a Michigan boy. Oh. <laughs> he went to college in Michigan, yeah. but he was not born in Michigan. You know, for Michigan people, that's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Michigan people are very big about their college sports. Yeah, we were. He went on Regis and Kathy, uh, not Kathy Lee, but a Regis filming show, and he wore his MSU. I think he wore MSU sh- shirt. So, you know, oh wow, pro- I, was it MSU? No, I'm sorry. I think it said Alabama. No, because oh. he was promoting the bear. I, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was oh. a college sweater. Well. Alabama, I really like the song Elvira, so I, I'll I'll stand for him promoting <laughs> the band a, Alabama. <laughs> that is one of those when it comes on the radio, you don't search it out, but if it's on the radio, especially on the umbapa part, you, you got to leave it on. Yep. I, I learned to dance to that in school. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> we used to, I used to take folk dance. Oh, wow. One of them. Oh, wow. Okay, since there are only 20 episodes of Voyagers, Bob, I think our next project should be with Ginger, the (laughs) Alabama (laughs) podcast. Each song. Well, I was thinking each album. Let's not go overboard. Each song. I don't know anything. I just know that song. Yeah, that was the only one I could pull out, too. We listen to that song once a week, and we try to find something new about it. (laughs) Oh, me being Mr. Weird Trivia, the song Louie Louie, was Mm -hmm. flagged by the FBI for having objectionable lyrics. So they had like teams of people funded by the government to go through each line of Louie Louie to try to figure out where the (laughs) objectionable lyrics were. And in plain sight, like not plain sight because it's audio, but the drummer drops a drumstick and swears and it picks really? up in the drum mic like really? he drops the f-bomb Never on louis louis and <laughs> they're like no it has to be in the vocals someplace nope it's in the background it's the drummer dropping a drumstick <laughs> Never and yelling, now I'm fudge. because <laughs> i can't make out one word except Louis Louis. Louis. Yeah. Isn't that the, the bit from Animal House where they're trying to sing Louis yeah. Louis and then halfway it's like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> so you created VoyagersGuide.net. It looks like back oh, in 2006. Yeah, VoyagersGuidebook. Yeah, VoyagersGuidebook.net. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was, um, you know, I get into everything late. I mean, I was on the internet way before that, but it didn't hit me to want to create something until then. There was another website out there 
called Voyager's headquarters. And it was cool. It was spacey, you know, like the old mm-hmm. time, the 90s sites and everything. And at that point, I was like, I want to do something for Voyager's. I love this show. Um, yeah, at the time, it wasn't on DVD yet. So we can thank you for it being on DVD now. <laughs> That's what I think we should credit you. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, within a year, the site grew. You know, there was no Facebook yet. That was so old. It yeah. is, but it's a beautiful site. Yeah, thank you. yeah. This is the latest version. It went through many, many versions, but I oh, tried to like keep it yeah. as clean as possible. I went through my story backgrounds and music and all right. kinds of, of stuff. <laughs> it's a gorgeous website. I, Thank uh, you. I would assume anyone who's listening to the podcast has already checked it out and has it bookmarked and is familiar. But if you don't, I'm definitely going to put a link in the show notes, but check exactly. out voyagersguidebook.net. It is an absolutely amazing website. You know who else? Such a great resource. The German DVD release. They actually put out the most beautiful release of Voyagers with a pamphlet inside, pictures. Ooh. We didn't we didn't even get that in its own home country. I'm still mad about that. Oh, no. <laughs> but anyway, but someone from Germany, a nice fan from Germany, pointed out and said, Oh look, 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 look your your site is listed in in the DVD oh, pamphlet. Really cool. Oh, that's like, great. Oh my that gosh. So cool. I was like, thank goodness it's .net because I used to be .com. Mm. And around that time I had lost the, you know, that name. So oh, wow. I was like, I'm never changing this. It's going to stay <laughs> .net forever. Yes. <laughs> I still get excited about that. <laughs> you should, you should. You put in the work and people appreciate it. That's thank amazing. You. Kind I, of a one woman show when it comes to building the site up and everything. But, but the fans are absolutely amazing. You know, they donate pictures. They've helped monetarily through the years. Oh, wow. and everything else. So just to keep it up, just to keep it going. It's yeah. A lot of fun. That's really awesome. That is so cool that you are doing this. And I believe it is on the last episode we recorded, which won't be out for a few weeks, but mm-hmm. people listening to this episode already know. I think it's on episode five that I found your website and oh, it was actually wow. using okay. that along with oh, the internet movie database to, uh, Kind of, I, and I use them too. So, yeah. so I use any resource I could find. I was like, "This sounds cool. This is cool. This is cool." <laughs> I like it to try to sound like I know a lot of trivia when <laughs> the truth is I edit a lot and I look stuff up <laughs> while talking. <laughs> Oh, so I think Bob can kind of see my eyes when uh, we record. And if I start well, looking off to the side, he knows when you wear your glasses, <laughs> there, are, there are a few tells. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I, yeah. One screen, one of my eyes is lit up with the screen. OK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I learned not to. OK, now I know never learn how to play poker. I'm 48 <laughs> years old and haven't learned yet. And if I do, don't play poker with Bob. Yeah. <laughs> So this week we are talking about episode six, Cleo and the Babe. That's a fan favorite. Yeah, it's a a good episode. I watched it this morning to be prepared and I discovered some time anomalies in there, but I'll talk about it later (laughs) that I never noticed before. And I just put it together this morning. I was like, no, wow. Okay. It's one of those episodes that moves really fast like this is yes an episode that 
has packed a lot into every scene and it does we do get some michigan credit here uh <laughs> michael lucking who plays babe ruth in oh. this episode is from michigan okay he's so such a good actor he's a really very good recognizable right? yeah yeah i think i confuse him with william Forsyth a lot but um oh, yeah okay. he's uh mm-hmm. and i learned this too uh jill uh, Sherman, who later became mm-hmm. Jill Donner, who wrote the episode along with James Perriott, was married to an actor who played Exodor on Mork and Mindy, Robert Donner, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was from Michigan or lived in Michigan at some point oh, in time, wow. too, which I found out that he's no longer with us, which is yeah. a shame because yeah. uh, he's in a lot of stuff like Cool Hand Luke where he played kind of a scary guy, but I will always remember him as the eccentric sort of like cult member. I'm Mork and Mindy. Okay. Yeah. He played a real, like a a real religious cult person in Hulk too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I I wonder if it was one of the seasons James Parriott was involved in too. And, and she wrote on the, uh, Hulk as well, too. I wonder yes. if they met yeah. on Hulk, Uh-oh. maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people from Voyagers started off on the Hulk. Yeah. Andrea Markovici, who plays mm-hmm. Cleopatra in this episode, is the female lead of the movie The Stuff, which is one of those 80s movies that I absolutely love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that the, the yogurt? <laughs> yep, the yogurt stuff. The yogurt. Yeah. I wrote Why don't I remember stuff. her in that? The, is she the mother? The mother? She, not the, the mom, boy? but the uh, she has blonde hair in it. That's why okay. uh, she looks completely unlike she looks in this episode of Voyagers. But yeah, yeah the stuff, the tagline for it, Bob, was are you eating it or is it eating you? <laughs> oh I, I remember the box with the kid reaching, somebody yep. reaching out of the go like, ah. Oh, <laughs> I remember yeah. the VHS box. I loved yeah. it so much that when I was in L.A. writing spec scripts, I wrote a Halloween spec script for Bob's Burgers. There's a knockoff called The Goo, which is basically <laughs> the rebranded stuff. And um, I always yeah. think the stuff was like a knockoff or a satire of the blob, you know, which yeah, was already yeah, like, yeah. kind of funny. Like a commercialized blob, yeah. <laughs> like if Soylent Green and the Bob were, were blob were put together. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Soylent yep. Green. Okay. That's yeah. a great film. It's a great film. And oh, the blob, yeah. too. The Blob just came up in a podcast that I listened to this week where they were talking about how at the end of the Blob, they take it to the polar ice caps because they find that yeah. freezing it is the only thing that will stop it. But now that the ice caps are melting, they ought to do like a new Blob where it's coming back. Oh, wow. Yeah. With an environmental message. Yeah, an environmental message. Okay, so back to Voyagers. <laughs> so sidetracked. Bog, what is this stuff we landed <laughs> Oh, I don't know, kid. We're stuck. <laughs> yeah. It was a soft landing. I was though. just picking. It was a soft landing. They're in this stuff. Which I noticed in the, when Bog lands in Cleo's room, he says, oh, like a haystack. It's soft. Like it, so they go back to that old haystack joke. Yep. You know, that's yep. his dream landing. Because you are our resident expert now. I, mm-hmm. I do have a problem with the pilot. How does okay. Bog not know what a dog is? When he sees Jeffrey's dog and he's like, what is this thing? You're right. That's ridiculous. But I'm going to say maybe, I don't know, because he was a pirate. There was no dogs on board. <laughs> I don't know. Did they, yeah, pluck him, right. did they pluck him right off the ship? And he they, just never yeah. really 
they probably would have had cats on board to take care of the mice. So they, mice. I, I would assume they would not have dogs on pirate ships. Or maybe not that breed. Maybe for yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I do have an issue with the pilot. Not an issue, but you know, those questions like you have. When he says, you know, oh, when did they start building on this high? It's this funny line. It's a great line. Mm-hmm. It shows he's from the past. But, right. you know, dude, your Omni goes up to 1970. You know, they, they did have skyscrapers <laughs> yeah. since yeah. 1900s, at least, you know, yeah. talking. So, come on. Well, unless maybe it's like a speedometer, like my car speedometer goes up to, mm-hmm. you know, 160 miles an hour. But. You know, I've never driven that fast, so maybe he's yeah. never gone. Well, he never landed on a ledge yeah. <laughs> in blustery wind. He almost got knocked right off. This is such a fun show. Uh, it is. It is. You could talk show. for hours and hours. So we end up in ancient Rome. Mm-hmm. And Julius Caesar has just been killed. It's the Ides of March. And right. uh, the Roman army is coming for Cleopatra and Bog and Jeffrey uh, do the only thing they can do to help her escape. Uh, oh, no, no, no. It's the magical kiss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Eventually they, yeah. they do have a, you know, they get her out of the room pretty well. That was a good escape. You know, I initially was thinking, man, Phineas sure ends up kissing a lot of people very quickly. Oh, yeah. But then I watched yeah. a, a Merv Griffin interview with John Eric Hexum. And I was like, I don't know. He did have a lot of charm. So I, <laughs> I I'm, I'm buying did. it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm all on board now. He's a ladies playboy of the ages. I call him playboy yeah. of the ages. <laughs> I think in our uh, very first episode, Bob refers to him as sort of like a time traveling Captain Kirk. Yeah, I liked that line. I, yeah. I listened to that one. That was good. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. yeah, he's very. Yeah. 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 I mean, Quick he definitely kiss, likes to explore, you know, yep. <laughs> in all my research, as I've done tons of like reading old articles, reviews avoided. Nobody has ever described him as Captain Kirk. That's a good one. It's always Han Solo or yeah. you know, sort oh, of well, Indiana I mean, Jones type. So you said somebody said Han Solo. Um, yeah, I mean, in but, the first episode, one of you said that. And then, yeah, so um, there's a kiss and mm-hmm. Cleo hits the Omni and only she and Phineas traveled to New York. And um, it's kind of funny when she pressed it. I don't know if you remember. It almost looked like she knew how to press how that to do thing. it. Yeah. Plus, like yeah. her hand deliberately, but boom, you know, touched that button. And I was like, did did she sense that this was some special tool or magical um, something or other? I don't know, but. I think it was just the way it was filmed. I know because I I'm also the kid that would look and find his Christmas presents before Christmas Day. <laughs> so I did read ahead a little bit and I do mm-hmm. know that we will come across other voyagers. I was starting to wonder if maybe it was setting up that Cleopatra was maybe oh. another voyager. But okay. no, that is not the case. Oh, <laughs> which reminds me. So we talked about, you know, we're to go back to the first uh, mm-hmm. episode Phineas is talking about when he was in Voyager class that he was distracted by a blonde was that <laughs> supposed to be Marilyn Monroe no you'll okay. find out mm-hmm. oh all right okay I'm excited for that yeah because I, I, I don't know if you know this we're what I'm I'm dedicated to not watching ahead unlike some people I would I'm not watching ahead <laughs> oh, sorry that's mine I think <laughs> 
No, I think it's cool. Don't watch ahead. I'm a purist. <laughs> it's all in my head. So. Oh, no, that's great. Phineas loses Cleo because everyone's excited about Lindbergh, which I understand we will also find out uh, more about Charles Lindbergh in an upcoming episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he goes back, rescues Jeffrey, and then they have to go find Cleopatra. And then this is going to show how little I know about sports. Yankee Stadium isn't there. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. So they have to go back and make sure Babe Ruth becomes the greatest. Jeffrey wants that to happen. Uh, Bog is so against it, like unusually against it. (laughs) And we have to relearn the lesson, like, you know, sometimes a piece of paper has the, not national anthem, um, I uh, thought that was kind of cute. Yeah. Maybe it was because Phineas was feeling bad that he messed up and lost Cleopatra in and maybe oh, he was yeah. just more concerned about taking care of that problem than he was yeah. in fixing the Babe Ruth problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but congratulations to the writers for writing her as being such a powerful female, you know, like true uh, character because, you know, and she was power like, hungry. Oh, She's yeah. like, I like power. She says it at the end, too. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> did Jill Sherman also write the created equal episode, too? Because um, that has strong females in it as well. In our in our last episode, uh, the, the woman who was locked up with um, Lawrence of Arabia, another strong female character. Yeah. And no, she didn't write uh, Created Eagle. It was Nick okay. Thiel, someone, a, a writer named Nick Thiel. Oh, okay. She did write a lot, though. You may be onto something, Bob. She is the co-writer of Worlds Apart as well, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. That uh, definitely has another strong female character in it. Way to go. I, I <laughs> sense the theme. Yeah. <laughs> I really like it. And. Ginger, you confirmed mm-hmm. this for me that it seemed like this was such a healthy workplace. It seems like Jim Perriott really ran a good ship. Mm-hmm. I do like it that he had a female writer on the show that could help make really strong female characters. She wasn't, she was one of the female writers. And, and there's also a writer, uh, but Jill Perriott, I think she was Jim's sister. Uh, oh, so she's credited as a writer too, at least on. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I said Jill, Sarah, Sarah Perry. Oh, okay. Um, she's credited as a writer on the last episode, Jack's Back. And okay. I don't know if she did any more, but she, maybe she worked in some capacity it, on the set. Oh, um, cool. Let's talk about that accent there that you, uh, the uh, Lucky Luciano accent, because <laughs> I think that Ginger's going to be more of an expert on this than you and I would be. Right. <laughs> I don't know how Lucky Luciano actually spoke, but it seems right. like it seems like an you know, exaggerated New York ac- accent. Yeah. But maybe not. I mean, I've known a lot of Italians growing up, and they had that that accent coming out of them like hey really yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. oh hey, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> here uh, and there so <laughs> so oh, he did man. you know and him being from brooklyn he he would he probably lives in that area where everyone was like yo toots <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, well yeah i guess he toots yeah i love the i i never really paid attention before but every time someone said toots and you could see cleo's face just like oh, yeah <laughs> like even though 
she just knows it's a bad, it's like a lousy word, even though she's totally from ancient times. She just says, oh, that sounds demeaning, no matter. She wasn't stupid about it. Like, oh, okay, yeah. you could call me toots. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, now I want to rewatch it and see your face every time someone says that. You'll notice it. I just picked it up today. Like, she pulls a face every time. I, they, they don't overdo it, but I think at least three times someone calls her that. And that's why at the end, she, you know, she's just, don't call me toots. <laughs> Please, right, right. Mark Anthony. Don't... <laughs> oh, that's um, great. That is so awesome. I love details like that. I know. I know. Fun. Yeah, they do. I mean, for um, an 80s, you know, like a lighthearted family show, they do think about the details. Like they pay a lot of attention. Uh, again, us watching it in 2020 and poking holes on accents and stuff. That's yeah. that's more on that says more about me than the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was like, like you said, like when they were talking about Edison and how he's hard mm-hmm. of hearing. And yeah, like, I love that episode. Can I, I, w- I wish I could be on that podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I, that's like the, a great episode. Well, top favorite. I learned after the fact that Thomas Edison was only deaf in one ear. And now I want to go back and see if the actor was actually making sure he was going. What if he people did. were on that one side of him? I won't spoil that. <laughs> oh, okay. He does. Oh, okay. They make a point of it a few uh, times. Like what? Like what? What'd you say, wife? I can't hear you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like the. That's oh, incredible. Great. That's good. And because the way he delivered all that too, it made me almost feel like he did research on his own. And like, it almost didn't seem scripted. Like he just seemed like, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm a really, and that's the thing too. You have all these really great actors on the show too, that. Yeah. He was really good. He he was a very good actor in world's part. Man, this is such a good show. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a well-written show. I'm also uh, happy about this, that my wife and I do a uh, podcast called you made me watch where we make each other watch movies that the other has never seen. And uh, Andrea Markovici is also in a movie called space hunter, which is one of those as a 3d technology was kind of trying to make a big boom in the eighties. It's a 3d sci-fi movie and (laughs) she is also in that. And um, I can't wait to show that to my wife. And she's she's a singer. She's like a lounge. Oh, she is. I don't want to call her a lounge singer, but you know those very classy singers. So when I found that out, I was like, oh man, they should have had Cleo like on stage in the club singing or something. That that would have been been so great. That would have been awesome. (laughs) She's a really nice singer. Like very like very timeless like the 40s style and everything oh she could have been like madonna and dick tracy (laughs) yeah (laughs) but there's only so much time i guess yeah oh that would have been awesome but just one number uh and great yeah yeah just give her one musical number i mean you know john art plays the piano in real life and it's like, man, they could have had an episode where he's playing the piano for real. That would have been awesome. Oh, yeah. oh wow. Like maybe meet Beethoven or somebody, but maybe they would have, you know, they only yeah. had that one season. So. Do you know why the show only lasted 20 episodes? I know we're jumping all um, over the place. No, it's okay. Well, no, I don't mind that. Um, there's a lot of reasons. Oh, the big one 
was the ratings. For some reason, it was just never, it was never able to pull itself up out of the lowest, according to really? the, the Nielsen ratings. Oh, that, you know, that's that, so wild. And actually, Cleo and the Babe was like one of the highest ratings of of the uh, season because it, it, it jumped. There's a whole story behind, you know, Cleo and the Babe getting preempted because of the World Series. They made oh, really? that episode. It's a it's a story. I could tell it. I mean, oh. they made that episode to promote the World Series because it was supposed to be airing that night. But then the actual game preempted the show. And, oh. and Perriott, <laughs> Jim Perriott was on the phone with the producers. He, they were like, I'm sorry, we can't air it. It's too late. It's too late. So he was like, okay, fine. You know, but he didn't realize that all the budget was almost blown on this episode for promotion. They really oh. did put a lot of money into this episode. Besides yeah. the actual show, they had, you know, they did. If you'll notice, you'll notice on the group, there's a billion pictures from this one episode. Yeah. Um, they oh. did do a lot of newspaper advertising as they would do back then. And so... In an interview with Starlog magazine, if you're familiar with that, you know, Jim Parrott said, oh, I didn't know until later that the budget was like gone, almost gone. So you're going to see those changes, how they uh, deal with that issue. Adapted, yeah. Um, to the budget restraints. But also, um, 60 minutes. Oh my gosh, that, that killed it, they say. 60 minutes. For some reason, everybody was watching 60 Minutes. Everything that came after Voyagers failed harder than Voyagers. Voyagers was the best that they could have had in that slot. Yeah. The, the slot that it was in, it couldn't have been any other time because it was made for children. Yeah. So, you know, it was a children's show. So that was the time allotted for a children's show, 7 p.m. Sunday night. You know, they, they tried to move it Friday nights, on episode uh, nine, where he meets the old Voyager, uh, you, you, they tried to move it um, to a Friday night, and it lost to Dukes of Hazard. Like no matter where they, you know, what they tried, they thought about moving it to Saturday, but it just wouldn't have fit in with the Saturday schedule and budgeting and stuff. So, That's you know, and so the ratings, the critics, you know, a lot of them liked it. A lot of them were overly critical. For some reason, I don't know why. It kind of mirrors my experience with Hollywood that, you know, you can create something that's really excellent, but there can be all these other things that are just beyond your control yeah. that just keep it from happening. It was a lot beyond their control because they really did their best as far as the writing was great. The cast was good. So where are we in the episode? Now I'm a little lost. <laughs> We we were talking about why um, oh on the episode itself uh, yeah oh okay because we kept going on tangents yep, about right. the show right that's me <laughs> I don't no. know we were kind of still in the beginning um, I guess up to Yankee Stadium that point yep you right. know and and you were saying someone was saying you know we were saying Bob he doesn't see it as important as Jeffrey does. You know, and in my head, I'm like, no, Bob, you don't know time travel. You have to have baseball in time travel. Like it's a that's you ever noticed that in time travel yeah. entertainment, there's always something to do with baseball somewhere that makes it important. I never thought of that. That's, really? Oh, oh. Yeah. 
you might pick up on it. Like if you watch some some stuff, there's always something about baseball. Like, okay, oh yeah, this one won the World Series and and so forth. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's true. Back to the Future does that. It's such an easy like you know you know when what month the World Series takes place. It's always such a big thing because it's America's national pastime so you know picking up a newspaper you know it's going to be on the front page it's not such an unusual thing for it to be on a front page since it is such a it's such a big you know it's so big in america so yeah i I, I get that can we talk about the scene right you know where jeffrey cries and when they get back yeah oh my god i love that scene yeah and there's a lot to unpack in that scene actually uh, as far as time travel goes, you know, it is Paluche, right? Not Palouse. Um, no, Palouse. It's Palouse. Palouse. There's an interview he done a few years with his family on YouTube, and oh. and 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 they say Mino Palouse. And when I first saw it, I was like, oh, my head, you know, exploded. I was like, uh oh. Wow. <laughs> okay, because okay, I saw an interview with him and. Um, at an art exhibit talking about his photography and the guy interviewing him called him Paluche and he didn't look, correct him. So he's just so polite then. Oh, no. so cool. like whatever, man. <laughs> oh, we're going to have so many episodes of me saying Paluche. I mean, it's not uncommon to have two pronunciations of your last name. Maybe he just realizes that, you know, people assume Paluche, you know, I did. Okay. Me and Paluche, you know, but I watch an episode of Conan O'Brien and William Willem Dafoe was on there and they had an old clip of him on inside the actor studio Mm -hmm. asking question. And he introduced himself as Willem Dafoe. And Uh (laughs) so Conan was like, so we've been pronouncing your name wrong all these years. And he was like, yeah, pretty much. But eh, who cares? So, yeah, maybe it's one of those things where, oh, I feel so bad. (laughs) Well, that's how you that's how you know who his friends are like. If you pronounce my name correctly, then then you might get it. <laughs> Bob, that was why I had you introduce yourself on the first episode, because I wasn't sure which vowel sound was in your last name. Can you oh, pronounce yeah. can you pronounce your name again, Bob? The last oh, name? It's Wick. Uh, like John oh, Wick. Wick. OK, yeah, <laughs> exactly like John Wick. I think of when I think of <laughs> Keanu Reeves, I think of Bob Wick. <laughs> I, I get that a lot. Before the movie came out. But that's it. That's why I have to tell people so they remember it. Um, but yeah, it, it's Polish, so it has that E in there, and it, it messes everybody up. It, okay. Uh, I was looking at the spelling. I said that seems like a Polish uh, name. Oh yeah, yeah. But I couldn't, I couldn't pronounce it properly. I love yours okay. though, Ginger De Los Rios. Oh, yeah, De Los Rios. Yeah. <laughs> I know it means of the rivers, but. I don't know how what that means as far as ancestry goes, but it's fun to say. I'm not. I'm half Puerto Rican, so I'm not very good at Spanish at all. <laughs> I can't even roll my R's or anything. So. Oh, I'm surprised that I just did. So I, you said that great. <laughs> yeah. Did you put the the rolling your R filter on? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> I don't. If you ever listen to the Truthcast, you can see I'm really good at accents. I had to issue an apology <laughs> at the beginning of one episode for my really bad Cockney accent, and one of my friends said, "I'm glad you did that because I thought you would have to apologize to Australia <laughs> because that's how bad your accent." <laughs> That was oh no i was like oh, all right that's awesome 
<laughs> so back to Floyd, you said you but, had more information about why the show. Oh, OK. Got canceled uh, and how as a, a yeah. general. OK, we talked about 60 minutes. That was a big one. Yeah, it was so big that even, you know, in the newspapers, they would say anything that went up against 60 minutes failed. Yeah, it was like the Bermuda Triangle of television sure. as what they literally described it as. But Voyages, you know, took the challenge and it was a really unique show. It was something Scholastic did with Hollywood. They were just getting into television at that point. They started yeah. in the late 70s. And this was their first TV show that they were behind. So it was really an educational experience. You know, you could tell oh. the way the facts are are given by Jeffrey. And you're really they're really trying to get kids to learn something. So it was very unique in that way. I haven't seen anything like it, really. Yeah, you know. that explains the ending, too, when um, yes, yes. Mino is urging people to go to the library. Oh, yeah. wow. It's a scholastic production. They promoted it in schools. That I have the poster on site, and I think there's a poster. You know, um, it used to appear in weekly readers. They would have activities, and, you know, the teachers would bring it up in class, and they were trying yeah. They were I kind of remember this because they, they also did the like the programming during like uh, like Saturday morning cartoons like mm-hmm. uh, CJ CJ Readmore the cat would come on and like have that whole song and like urge you to go to the library and all that. Oh, I, I think this is one of together. those where the five years between us is really oh. yeah. I don't remember that, but as soon as I posted about this podcast, a lot of my friends from high school were all like, "Oh my god, I love that show." So I wonder if it's because the posters were all around our schools at the time. It might have been. Yeah. Um, This is what I think was one of the big factors in in changing the show's production. They they had watchdog groups, they called them, you know, for television back then. They really came down so hard on this show. Really? It, It was completely unreasonable. I mean, I could say or talk for an hour on it, but they, there was one guy in particular, just, he was the head of, I'm going to just read it off here, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, the National Coalition of TV Violence, it was called. It was oh. basically, and they just attacked this, ripped it apart. This show? And yes. <laughs> you know, oh, it's supposed to be a children's show, but okay. it's the most violent show on TV. <laughs> Wow. They not watch the Billy the Kid episode that's pretty anti-violence. Right. No, the point wow. the thing was their standard of violence, of what they deemed violence. They even like they had some kind of point system, you know, yeah. okay, you know, this scene. It wasn't necessarily even a scene. If you even heard a bomb in the distance or somebody really? like, you know, oh mentioned a gun or you heard a gunshot in the distance, a cannon fire. Oh, one point, one point, one point. So by the time they added it up, this guy was railing like, oh, this is this is so violent oh. and this is our. So they really came down hard. You know, you, oh, you're supposed to be a children's show. Oh. It's like and a lot of people came to the defense of it. They were like, how can you teach history without talking with featuring uh wars and things of that nature it's kind of sad you know you really yeah Uh, even their world war one episode wasn't violent (laughs) yeah 
if you, you know, I don't know if you noticed in that pilot anyway, that's yeah. the only episode you're going to see death. Uh, like, uh, remember when he the, the plane at the end, you yeah. see the two pilots laying there. They don't even say the word dead. They're like, uh, you know, they weren't so lucky, those two. And yeah. they show that's the only time. Like, from that point on, they were attacked by this group. And, wow. and those groups held a lot of sway, you know, because yeah. it was only three networks. Well, they held yeah. a lot of sway with what gets on the air. You know, they went off on all the shows, but for some reason, they just attacked this one like crazy. Wow. Wow. In the meantime, Duke's a hazard about running moonshine is, you know. <sighs> yes. Yeah. I guess because this air is for years and years meant and years. to be a kid's show. <laughs> yeah, know? but so is Duke's a hazard. Uh, oh. Yeah. No. It, it was really unfair. Like when I was uncovering all this information, I was mad. <laughs> I was like, what? And well, you I have could, to wonder, you know, what are these people doing now? Like they yeah. must be beside them. <laughs> I could tell you what the leader of that watchtower group is doing now, but I won't say it on the podcast. I'll, okay. I'll, <laughs> <clears throat> let's just say hypocrite. Hypocrite. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh. I won't. I won't even say his name. Yeah. And here, um, I'm. I'm looking forward to showing this show to my son. No. no. Yeah. I mean, compared to what's on this, you know, these people who went off on this will be rolling, or and if they pass, they'll be rolling in the grave that they saw it was on TV today. Yeah, that's true. But I think it's because it had that. It was in that time slot of 7 p.m., which was strictly for kids hour. Right. Yeah. So they, they needed something to fill that hour that had to be educational. Disney actually had a show before Voyagers that fell too. It wasn't nothing was working. And to me, Voyagers was the best of everything. Yeah. You know, when you when I think about what replaced it, oh gosh. Well, I am glad that we have the DVD now and, and we were talking about yeah. how it's a, an official DVD and the transfer is really good. It's in mm -hmm. high def. And Bob and I pointed out that Jeffrey stunt double uh, looks like it's Bobby Porter. And you said that you have yes. a picture with <laughs> yeah. um, Mino and Bobby. I looked him up and Bobby Porter is still working. He was at, actually the stunt double for the kid in the um, Carmack McCarthy movie, The Road. And um, really, yeah, yeah. that's it, a great movie. I'm yeah, sure. it's <laughs> kind of funny, like looking at the pictures where I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I can see his face pretty clearly in scenes where he's right. doubling for Jeffrey. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, the DVD and step frame, we can see everything. <laughs> yeah, you know we keep we're keeping a list. We have to, like a whole list of, but you know they they did what they could back then. Yeah, the wonders of standard definition. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not even HD. This show, it, like yeah. when I put clips on YouTube or something, I'm like, why can't I do HD? The, the most it goes is 480p and SD. Okay, let's wrap up this episode. So, um, uh, okay, I know Bob has moving to do. So. Sorry, Bob. Sorry, we're talking about everything but the episode. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Can I mention about the time travels? Yes, yes. You said you this, noticed new things about um, this episode, and yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, one thing was you know 
that this was like a real deeply personal voyage for Jeffrey. And, yeah. and, and you know, when I think about, he has like two memories now, you know, one where the, the, the stadium was never there and he never went with his father, he never got the ball. And then you have the, uh, he's still, you know, because the Omni, I guess, cloaks them in some time war it protects them so they you know he didn't lose his memory of being with his dad right even though time, the building wasn't there anymore he's still so i guess the voyager headquarters will protect them and cleo mm-hmm. and cleo because history changed around her and and she was fine you know like she was still still there because history was wrong when they left to fix it and that's where she had landed in, in that red light zone. And when yeah. they came back, she was still there. And it's, but nobody realizes the time shift and not even her. And I found that interesting. Yeah. One of the uh, people from the group writes time travel sci-fi. And I'm mm-hmm. kind of interested in picking his brain about the concept of uh, yeah, infinite timelines and mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, we're gonna get into quantum physics, and my <laughs> brain is going to explode. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. because during these episodes, there's definitely like a uh, I'm not a physicist or anything like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Like a, a butterfly effect. <laughs> Things almost happen instantaneously, like uh, giving back uh, C. Scott the, the piece of paper, or you know, moving Newton and him getting hit with the apple. Mm-hmm. But yeah, moving Cleopatra into the 1920s you know that means that she was gone for her timeline so right after that day she disappeared there's no cleopatra so how did that affect things you know it's like yeah i yeah that's what i was going to bring up that it, that doing that made time wibbly wobbly as the doctor would say you know um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. um because well if i can like explain um what i saw this morning yeah. um this is probably you know the writers what happened was what i noticed like in real life they mention all these significant events in the episode, but in real life, these events overlapped throughout 1927. They didn't coincide with each other. Lucky L- Lindy landing in France did not happen at the same time as um, Babe Ruth's 60th home run, you know, mm-hmm. so every, and um, I actually wrote it down, but basically um, when Bog and Cleo first land in New York and, and it says Lucky Lindy, that would be May 21st, like 1927 was when he landed. Okay. All right. Um, when Bog and Jeffrey returned from Yankee Stadium from 1919, that date should be September 29th because the next day on the 30th was when Babe Ruth hit that home run. Okay. Um, when when Bog's reading the newspaper, it says, oh, Calvin Coolidge won't run for re-election. He only publicly said that decision in December 1927. So the dates are all over the place, oh. but, they're, but they're melding them together into uh, an episode. Okay. So that's why I said, okay, wibbly wobbly, wow. timey whiny yeah. stuff. <laughs> so, but the big thing was that I was like, it's possible that from when Bob left Cleopatra, it may have been May 21st. And when he came back, 
it might have been that four months passed in in her time because she looked so acclimated into the 20s. Oh, By definitely. The time he yeah. came back, yeah. she was on. She was lucky that Luciano's gal. You know, she she was definitely. Well, like, I mean, in the and papers. you got to wonder what she did those four months. Uh, right. She, she looked like herself a, and, you know, a regular yeah. flapper. It can, I, uh, yeah. Well, it seems like she latched on to, to Lucky, you know, to help her out and, and whatnot. But it seemed like maybe those four months, maybe she really was there for a month, you know. Yeah. And, you know, the Omni just dropped them in at the time right. of the home run. So I don't know. I don't know if that's what that's the writer was really yeah. thinking. But yeah. I was like, wait a minute. I was looking up all these dates and different dates and um you know, I found a little like little goofs in the scene when when Bog and Cleo are walking and they pass the car and she's like, "Oh, these chariots!" So I was like, "Hey, wait, that's Chaplin City Lights didn't come out till 1931." Right, no. you, know, you got to post it back there. Yep, you know, little things. Cleopatra wasn't in her right time. Everything got <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, was inspired a couple months earlier than he would have been inspired. Yeah, it, it, it like. Good, Be good point. Point. I didn't even think always, of that. Isn't it always know? a bad thing? So <laughs> now, a couple of years earlier, like four years. Oh, ago. yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they're in New York, it, it's clearly a back lot, but it actually um, because most of the back lot at Universal is the town square for like Back to the Futures and Gremlins and stuff mm-hmm. like this. This actually kind of looked a little bit more like warner brothers do you know um, if all the episodes were filmed at universal or they they all were oh, okay. uh, because you're gonna see them pop up again uh you know the, especially the brownstone set scenery yeah it'll it'll pop up again in, in like i think in episode nine or so okay um yeah it, there is the it, there's it's such a tiny part but it's where like um mindy kaling's show was shot mm. to look like New York and stuff like that. So it's probably on that from, yeah. from what Jim, Jim Parriott had said in, in one of his interviews, he said, we were all over Universal. At the time, they had free reign. They didn't have yeah. to pay fees, so they were able to use whatever they wanted. So they were like, oh, we're going to use this. We're going here, we're going there, we're going there. So they made good use of that yeah. studio. In the um, pilot episode, I pointed out to Bob that uh, it's the exact set for the good place is where they first land for yeah. World oh, okay. War One. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you mentioned also Point Doom. It was a Point Doom where they're yeah. sitting on the rocks. It's a beautiful shot. I love that shot in, in the episode. The clouds, yeah. the ocean. And I'm regretting never having gone there in real life. That would have been oh. really cool. But I mean, and I still have time. Is that like a beach in Malibu? Maybe? I'm I'm going to assume so, so because of the uh, the how hilly it is, where a lot of like Santa Monica is is really flat. And so I believe like that's where John Eric's ashes were scattered in that oh. area oh. too. You know, I don't know that spot, but in that area, so. It is. It's really beautiful. I was spot. It was a nice uh, scene there. My, but, um, I, I, and I may be incorrect about this, but I mm-hmm. believe he passed during the filming of Pee Wee's Big Adventure, um, and he was dating E.G. Daly. So uh, I, I don't know if that overlap. Maybe. Okay. I, I don't know yeah, about not, that. Harsh. Yeah. 
I have to do more research about that. that popped into my head. And yeah, I, I usually bat about 40% accuracy without looking <laughs> stuff up. Uh. Let, let's wrap it up. Um, Ginger, do you have a favorite episode of Voyagers? Well, this one's definitely in my top five. Okay. Oh, wow. I, I, I happen to love Jack's back, which is the very last one. Okay. Uh, because I love the mysteries and Nellie Bly. I love her as a, a historical figure. Um, I like the voyages with they meet Drake. You know, it gives more um, characterization. Like, I like that character. It, get, it shows more of the Voyager society because he's in it. Um, okay. So, yeah, that's way down. Uh, I love Worlds Apart. Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of the early episodes, I tend to like the earlier batch of episodes Um a little more than the later batch, but I love the series okay. as a whole. Because um, you're going to notice when you hit the 13th, that was supposed to be the final, but oh. fans fans came through, you know, and the network came through, and, and the John Arrigan, then they, he came, went on cross-country tour promoting it. You know, everybody did their part trying to keep it That's going. Awesome. So they, they said, all right, you know, seven more episodes, they were, able to you know finish it off so you're gonna see that shift in production value it's still still great it's just the way the story stories flow is is, you know a big change but it's still time travel still you know good and 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 i think that oh that darn violent violence coalition really yeah yeah got got into it let me ask you this if they were to bring it back, because everything that's old is new again, right. who would you like to see cast? I was in agreement with you guys. You said Chris Pratt. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, through the years, my answer changed. Like, okay. you know, way back when I first became a fan, for a long time, I was like, Brendan Fraser. <laughs> you know, Brendan oh, Fraser. Yeah. Actually, oh, oh, that's now, all for you. <laughs> yeah. That's he can, you know, and I know now, you know, he's up in age, but, you know, Bob was pretty fairly young. But it, he could still do it if he, <laughs> if he wanted. But and then at one point I thought Army Hammer. Oh, oh. Army Hammer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to throw this one out there, and guys. Thor. Thor. Chris Oh, Hemsworth. yeah. Chris Hemsworth. Uh, any of the Hemsworth. I think you said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know his work more than the brother, but I think you had mentioned him, too, in your first podcast. How how about this? Mino comes back as the season Voyager with a young like let's have him like with a daughter figure oh. and uh yeah, yeah let's uh Absolutely. or or a professor where you do a whole like voyager class you know you can oh show. yeah they oh. tried that with doctor who remember they tried to have a uh, doctor who class they they started a new show yeah. it didn't work it didn't work but if jeffrey was teaching like a voyager school and we had yeah. like a bunch of young boy oh Oh, man. I think because I think he's still a little young because he's supposed to. Well, I won't give that away. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But um, (laughs) I think, you know, Jeffrey being who he is, he'll wind up being one of the tribunal eventually. But that's okay. You know, way down the line. That's my that's my theory. He's, you know, eventually once he's of age, they may even put him up there because he's so special. He's he's um, the only kid I think that works for Voyager headquarters. It's like it's like a new protocol. Okay, now we're gonna oh, have hands-on well, training. <laughs> Supernaturals are over. You can get 
Oh, well, Sam is going to, uh, or Dean's going to be Walker, Texas Ranger, but Sam's free. So, oh, you know, okay. you need, yeah, yeah. I have never seen that show, but I heard that, you know, obviously it's been on 15 years or so. So, yeah. and I hear that the actors are really likable. They're really good. So maybe one of them could be in it too. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the show Timeless. Have you seen yeah, Timeless? Yeah, yeah. That that was Eric Kripke, I think. I think that's how you say it. He was a huge Voyager fan as a child, and he said, Timeless oh, is my updated version on Voyagers. Oh, neat. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I have, like. yeah. I think I have posts on it in the group. I know I keep saying that, but and they go years back. The group's been up there for like 10, 11 years. But yeah, he said that in many interviews. Oh, I loved Voyagers, and I wanted to do a version of it. And if you actually watch, that show is funny because that was on NBC and it also got canceled after yeah. the first season, but the fans helped bring it back. You know, I, for, I get very cynical about television now. And anytime I see too. something like that, that me has too. a lot of like production value, I'm like, well, I'll wait and see if it gets picked up for a second season. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I know. Yeah. A lot of them don't. And it's so frustrating. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, so, so if you actually, if you watch, I, didn't get into that show to be honest i did I watch still, the first two episodes yeah i watched the, a few, few yeah episodes. and a lot of the uh, adventures i'm like these are familiar these mm-hmm. are very familiar and they were void adventures like as um so he really was inspired by voyagers to do this show ginger thank you so much for joining us yes. oh, thank you going i to could live. talk for hours and hours. not just for joining <laughs> us but the showing mike that me and him aren't the only ones out here watching this show this is great and oh. for teaching us so much too um, so much i have and, so much more but and most importantly for keeping the show alive too yeah go to the voyagers guidebook.net join the facebook group let's get it up over 500 a great members. group of people yeah. absolutely great group of people i like that it's small little fandom you know it's really it's nice well it's about you know? to blow up i'm yeah. sorry <laughs> good our, okay our 10 okay. fans are gonna tell 10 fans and they're gonna tell it, it's, it's i might good. i might need more mods guys you know <laughs> it's just me and one other person but you know <laughs> ginger you are absolutely amazing thank you so much for oh, welcoming us you. to your yes, facebook yes. family and for joining the podcast and oh, i hope just, i could do it again i mean I know oh like we would episodes. love to have you again yes. are maybe, you maybe, the, maybe the last episode i love that let's book that right now absolutely yeah. okay episode right. 20 Jack's you back. will be done. back yes oh I'm thank done. you ginger's back Ginger's, Ginger's back. back. Right. That's the name Ginger of the episode. De Los Rios. <laughs> okay. Thank Ginger you. of the Rivers will be back. <laughs> well, Bob, we are going to, since this was a female centric episode, we yes. are going to do an improv scene based on the episode with okay. a female improviser. So um, after the sound effect, we'll be right back with that. Bob, this week we have a friend of mine, Meredith Frank, joining us to improvise on this very strong female episode. I met Meredith through another podcast, Dead Waves Radio, when I asked for some really good, strong female improvisers to make the truth cast not such a sausage fest anymore. And they put me in touch with Meredith, who was so great that she gave us so many gifts in the episode that we are still utilizing them all these episodes later. So uh, 
I'm so excited that you're joining us on this little project too. Thank you, Meredith. Thank you for having me. And thank you for saying all those so nice words, all those so nice words. You are so funny and so awesome. And with Bob being part of Go Comedy, I I thought it was really important, even though you're on the other side of the state from us, that you know, you know, one of the great improvisers from the Detroit area, too. And uh, it is um, overwhelming for me, actually, to do a podcast with Bob. Uh, But, you know, here I am. Oh, you're talking about me. I was like, yes, you got another guest. All right. When's PJ coming on? All right. (laughs) This This is just a way for me to learn how to improvise by playing with really great improvisers. So this episode, we start with uh Ancient Rome, Julius Caesar was just murdered, and uh, they're trying to uh, rescue Cleopatra, who kind of has a mind of her own. And then we go to the 1940s in New York, and we deal with Lucky Luciano and Babe Ruth, and we even spend a a hot minute, almost literally a hot minute, with uh, Sir Isaac Newton when he's just... Also, there's an overtone of, uh, I would say, eccentric accents you know so <laughs> bob still hung up on lucky luciano's accent oh in hey I'm, I'm italian though... it's me uh, lucky luciano hey Pazan. even though we just had ginger from brooklyn it's... on saying yeah you know i've heard accents i, like I that. think she's just a big fan of the show and she <laughs> just justifying it. it he sounded like if the the italian guy on the pizza box you know like the, the chef could talk like, that's what this man sounds like. He sounds like Chef Boyard. Yes. So, oh, okay. I make the sauce, you know, put it in the can. What? What you looking at? I'm, I'm crossing here. Well, I, I can guess now what character choice Bob's going to go with for whatever you, oh. uh, whatever era or you know, historical figure you what? pick. <laughs> Meredith. But where would you like to do a scene? Oh, man, I guess we have to go with that one, right? No. <laughs> New York, Babe Ruth. Okay. Yeah, you know what, Bob? If I were making a Babe Ruth story out of the three of us, I would cast you as the babe over uh, me or Meredith. What? Oh, then you'd be miscasting. I'd be afraid to swing a baseball bat in front of you guys. And (laughs) you go like, really? Have you never touched a baseball bat before? (laughs) Okay, so we're going 1940s, Babe Ruth. And I'm going to try to learn from all the mistakes I've made on past episodes of the show of not listening to my fellow improvisers, (laughs) uh, improvising scene partners. And I'm going to actually try to listen to you guys this time. Uh, Hey, you you supposed to be over here? Me? Are you talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to I'm looking around. All I can see is you. So uh, I guess I'm talking to you. Well, shoot. Are you supposed to be here? I didn't think I'd run into anyone else in the back of this abandoned pizza place. Would I be wearing this chef hat if I wasn't supposed to be in the back of a pizzeria? That's what we call it around here. Pizzeria. Okay, strike two. You don't even know what a pizzeria is. So what's the deal? Uh, I just, uh, you know, uh, all right, 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 okay, all right, you're gonna, you're gonna tell me what you're doing back here? Well, they sent me to find, uh, this guy, they call him the chef. Why don't you say they sent you? I was scared. Okay. You're really tall. The the hat makes you taller. What am I supposed to do? Just walk up to you and say, Hey. Guy in the chef hat. Could you possibly be the chef? And for starters, yes, yes. See, 
Okay. Can I can I ask you a personal question? Do I not look approachable? I'm wearing a chef hat. That this is. I am tall. I I think I got a decent smile on my face. I I thought. Bonjour, mon ami. It is I, the chef. Oh. Oh. Bonjour. This is awkward. This is a little awkward. Uh, uh, Chef, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't catch your name. My name is Le Chef. I know you're the the chef, but Chef, I'm sorry. I I didn't catch your name. Yeah, you could call me Little Fudgy. Pronouns he, him. Okay. Little Fudgy. Uh, uh, This is my friend. You don't want to know how I got that nickname. It's gross. Now I got to know. I use a uh, French prefix la. I go by uh, uh, I should go by uh, les because uh, I use pronoun uh, they them. Please call me les chef. OK, thank you for sharing Les chef. Thank you. We oui. I also use we they them and we. Je- chef, oui? uh, I don't mean to get in your business. I was back here. Little fuzzy came up looking for chef. I just assumed they were talking about me, but. I know they're really talking about you. Anyways, Little Fudgy here has a message for you. I have a message for you. Start your pants. Start them. Start your chef pants. Oh, start mom. Oh, Mm, mad, mad. Um, Big Saucy said that you know what that meant. I do not know no Big Saucy. Yeah, you you don't know who Big Saucy is? American He's, chef. You know who Big Saucy? I know who Big... Everybody knows Big Saucy. Everybody knows Big Saucy. If you're American chef, you have very wrinkly uh, chef pants. Yeah, because I've never been blessed by Big Saucy to starch my pants. Don't you know you've just been given the greatest honor that anybody could get in any of the five boroughs? Big, when Big Saucy tells you to starch your pants, you starch your freaking pants. Uh, I have been... Uh, how you say... Uh, Pants starcher for many years now. Uh, perhaps you are the chef in this case, and I am waiting on another little fudgy. Okay, little okay. fudgy. Was he specific? He just said the chef, or did he say lay chef? No, he's uh, not one for specifics. Exactly. But you know, now that I'm here looking at your wrinkled pants, I'm going to tell you too, American chef. Better get those pants starched. Better starch them. Start your pants. Mm. Presentation. Oh, mad. Mm. Oh, no good. Oh, little fudgy. Are you just walking around telling people to start start your starch their pants? I'm be. Yeah. Are you doing it on behalf of Big Saucy, or are you going rogue? Because you both. Whoa. Yeah. Oh. I'm going going rogue with a blessing from Big Saucy. Okay. Oh. He turned me out, and he said, "Go tell him." Go tell them, little fudgy. Go tell them. Okay. Go tell those those sloppy boys with those wrinkled well, pants. You go tell them. Now that I'm blessed, mm, American chef, you are a very sloppy boy. I, that's where all the flavor comes from. The sloppy the sauce, the better it tastes. Everybody knows that. But everybody when, knows that. Everybody knows that. So if you get to the point where you can start your pants, that's how good you are. Then I must be very good. I make a, a premium uh, baguette. Uh, with my very starched pants, my baguette very crisp like my seams. My mom told me about that baguette once. She went to Paris on her honeymoon and ate at your first cafe over there. She told me that she had that crisp baguette. Oh, nothing on it, just a baguette on a plate, and she loved it. Oh, I oh much more for your mother, big fudgy. I uh, 
Bigfoot is my father, actually. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Oh. Oh, okay. I'm little. Now, I'm like four, four nine, little fudgy. Why oh. didn't you tell me your dad was big fudgy? This all makes sense I, now. Oh, I thought it was obvious. I'm no. sorry, American Chef. I should have given you my whole pedigree the second I walked I, in. You know what? I, I, you know, I, I approached this whole thing wrong. I came back here. I saw a kid. I just, you know, I, I, I'm weird around kids. I, I, uh, because I can't have any of my own. So I'm sorry. Why not? Okay, well, is it because you are a sloppy boy? Yeah, actually, that has a lot to do with it. When I was just a sous chef, you know, uh, I had an accident where I caramelized my pants and it made it so I can no longer reproduce. I bet those pants were delicious, though. They were. They were the best. Absolutely worth it. And from then on, Mm. all I did did was focus on the food to the point where now I'm blessed by being able to starch my pants. Life is good. Perhaps, uh, Little Fudgy, if you had a business card you could present upon these meetings, it would help. Do you have a business card? Yeah, and it's got uh, my family tree on the back of it. So, Oh, may I look at one of your Thank business cards? God. Absolutely. One for oh, you, French uh, chef, and one for you, American oh, chef. Let me read this at the bottom. Start salesman. Ignore that part. Just ignore that part. They're you old. Are, they're reused. You are selling. Wait a minute. You're in the starch business. Uh, are you working for big starch starch instead of big sauce? Uh, big starch is behind this. I knew it. Zuta laws. Oh, goodness. <sighs> this is um, this is this is bad. This makes yeah. me look bad. I know yeah. what you're thinking. There is only one thing we can do. American chef. It is to perpetuate stereotypes. Mm-hmm. You must murder Lil Fudgy, and I'm going to wait, run. Wait, hold it. No, like hold the up. coward I am. Flip over this card, though. Like you said. Oh? Like you said. Family tree line. So at the bottom here, we got Little Fudge. And then her father, Big Fudge. Yes, that's my dad. Her great grand, her grandfather was Nutty Fudge. Oh. Nutty Fudge. I am never, I, I am not powerful enough. In this part of the city. Oh, look over at this branch. It stretches to the Midwest. Mackinac Island fudge is her uncle is his uncle. Mm-hmm. You're great. I, I can't take out one of the fudge line. Neither of us are that powerful. I'm untouchable in this state. State of New York, I believe. <laughs> and also in Michigan. Because of my uncle. Probably the states in between, too. This whole Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. You'd be surprised how it works in the 1940s. It's kind of like a state by state situation. Oh, yeah. Like like pro wrestling. I I understand. Well, I am still going to perpetuate my stereotype and surrender. I too should surrender and starch my pants. It is not very American of you. You are supposed to look for a fight. I I do not know what accent this has become. (laughs) 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 Nice, nice. That was wild. That was, Rams by that way of on, Spain. <laughs> that went on a roller coaster. <laughs> that was good. Big start. So, Meredith, what are you working on these days yeah. while you are uh, oh, man. quarantined? Um, I'm doing a lot of podcasts. Um, I saw that. Yeah. You have also been on Alabaster Peaks. Alabaster Peaks. Yep. yep. Dead Waves and your fabulous podcast, Truthcast. Yeah. Which we will have to have you back on. You played a cryptid named Catton, the Beast of Bodmin Moor, which was so fun. You were so great. So fun. What a weird way to meet someone, too, 
since this is a family friendly episode, there's so little we can actually talk about that. But the whole Snamas thing. Yep. Yeah, Snamas, as always. <laughs> yep. You are on many podcasts. And then when the quarantine is over, where do you normally perform at on your side of town? So normally perform at a place in Kalamazoo called Crawl Space Theater. And my team is called Small Victories. And we are so excited to do it again. Yeah. (laughs) To perform again. Awesome. Well, I'm sure the three of us cannot wait to get back on stage. But in the meantime, Meredith, thank you so much for being on this podcast as well, since you have become the go to podcasting, improvising superstar that you are. And Ah, uh, too kind. No, not kind enough. You are absolutely amazing yeah. thank you for doing this on short notice too yeah uh, yes thank you anytime i'm here yeah. i'm ready anytime all right <laughs> well bob we're going to be back again next week right. for episode seven and i believe uh we will be joined by another awesome guest possibly mino palouse what oh man very cool. Very cool. And we'll be talking about Abraham Lincoln next week and also uh, Charles Dickens. So it's going to be another one of those episodes that we are all over the place. Check out our Facebook group and check out Ginger's Facebook group as well. And as always, thank you so much for listening to Bat's Breath. Bye. <laughs>